This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Keith Silva. I write for ComicsBulletin.com, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and Matt. I have a microphone. Take that, Aaron Myers. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Welcome to episode 92 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 28th. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not screaming at tweeters and threatening to poop in their mouth after beating and strangling my co-host years ago, trying to make them understand that I'm a changed man now, I'm appraising comics and writing a comic speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, and when I'm not defending the honor of my co-host after he tried to kill me years ago, because I'm either trapped in a cycle of violence or just too stupid to know what's good for me, I'm the artist of Good Plus and manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you will hear a very special advance review of Avengers Number 1 and a special guest review of My Little Pony by our resident brony and occasional guest host, Dave DeMarco. Tell the people hi, Dave. Hi, how's it going? After that, we'll review 10 more comics faster than Chris Brown can knock the crap out of Rihanna again during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Snorting Ground Unicorn Horn will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics, and finally, we'll get into the holiday spirit by rapping about the greatest holiday comics of all time! And of course, we'll be reading your answers to the question of the week, but... Before we get to all the gender-based discrimination and furry bashing, let's take a moment to drag Harry Reid and John Boner to the edge of the fiscal cliff and offer them as sacrifice to the evil and ancient financial gods below. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Starting off with a bit of feel-good news this week, Marvel writer Matt Fraction has announced that he will be donating his share of the royalties and incentives from the sale of Hawkeye No. 7, to the American Red Cross to aid the organization's Hurricane Sandy relief efforts. That friggin' dude. I swear to God. Marvel shifted, the, <laughs> Marvel shifted the book's schedule to allow for the publication of this special issue, which will feature two stories about Sandy hitting the East Coast of the Marvel Universe with art by whiteout artist Steve Lieber. Love him. And newcomer Jesse Ham. Don't know him. <laughs> In the announcement, he's a newcomer. In the announcement, Got it. Fraction said, quote, I want to do a little bit of good, pick up a comic, and rest assured that I'm going to be writing a check. So it occurred to me that if this is too successful, it could be the most painful check I'll ever write. But <laughs> you know what? Make it hurt. I dare you. <laughs> so that there shit, you have it. A challenge from Matt Fraction. It's real, man. What a guy. Yeah. challenge, read a good comic book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is awesome. This is re- a really nice thing. Yeah. That's and very sweet. You know, so they're slotting this in, and... We have plenty of time to get ready for it, to tell your retailer that you want it. Right. Get the news cycle going. And uh, because, you know, there won't be copies to buy unless retailers know that people want to support this thing. Of course. And let me tell you what. To the dudes online that whose first response was, uh, he could raise a whole lot more money if he, like puts a donate button on his website or does this other... Hey, we've got a donate well, button on our website. We're not Matt Fraction. none of you jerks click it. We're All not. Right? We aren't Matt Fraction. But yeah, they're like, uh, this just sounds like a publicity stuff for Marvel. He could be making more money doing another thing. Can we not even acknowledge the internet hate on this? I just want to say, please. those guys. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So uh, get out there. Tell your retailer you want Hawkeye number seven. I also like this is a real world thing. I like yeah. that they're addressing something that happened in the real world. Hawkeye lives in New York. That's something we would talk about, you know, if right. it happened. Even if you don't read Hawkeye, who cares? It's an easy way to donate money and get something good out of it. 
and buy extra copies, give them to a friend, and let's reward this initiative. It's a great comic. And if you don't Get read Hawkeye, there. you're a sucker because it's excellent. Hawkeye is a wonderful book, uh, and especially with a now relatable character because of the Avengers. Everyone right. should know who Hawkeye is and read his book. Even though wonderful. his new outfit, yeah. Well, Whatever. he never wears it in the comic, though, so I'm cool He's with that. He's perpetually in, like, slacks. <laughs> yeah, or, <laughs> always in slacks. or fr- a frumpy <laughs> Nobody calls suit. them slacks anymore, Grandpa. <laughs> like, come on. In Hollywood news, X-Men Days of the Future Past director Brian Singer has announced that Sirs Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen will be reprising their roles. Patrick as- Stewart's a knight, right? I think so. We'll be reprising their roles as Professor Xavier and Magneto. (laughs) Read it as I wrote it in the script. In the upcoming film alongside their younger counterparts, James McAvoy and Michael (laughs) Fastbender. Confirmed. Patrick Stewart is a knight. Indeed he is in uh, 2009. Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm sorry to take that away from you, sir. Knight Patrick. Defender of the uh, realm, Patrick Stewart. (laughs) He was in Excalibur. So right away. Of course, Days of the Future Past is a time travel story, and Singer looks to be using that to definitively tie the X-Men First Class universe to his original X-Men films. And, in news that huge Ackman is in talks to join the cast as well, it looks like we'll be getting that old Wolverine fried to a crisp bit by a Sentinel that we all so desperately crave. Joe? Dave? Awesome. Good news? Yeah, I think it's great. Is it tied to X-Men 3? Uh, nah. No, because it says Brian Singer, his movies. The okay, okay. Three was Brett Ratner. Yeah, that's true. Sweaty Brett Ratner. <laughs> <laughs> He's a professional sweater. Now, the question is, will this tie into the Wolverine Origins movie, which is the thing I'm most concerned about. Because it's Days of Future Past, everything could be thrown into flux, which means that you could have the X-Men First Class not being... I suppose that's true. You know, it could. this could be a weird... Yeah, there's no rules. force them all together, and it'll. you're going to like it. There's no rules. Doc Brown shows up. Yeah. Great Scott. Great Scott. Charlie, there's a problem with your children. <laughs> your this, children of the attic. <laughs> this is heavy. It looks like BM Bendis' final issue of New Avengers dropped a strong hint about one of his future Marvel projects. Mild spoilers are ahead, but don't fret, spoiler babies. The hint drops after the conclusion of the storyline. On the final page of this week's New Avengers 34, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Squirrel Girl walk off into the sunset, leaving their time with the Avengers behind them. When the subject of money comes up, Cage reminds his wife and the readers that he's the co-owner of, quote, the most lucrative superhero for hire business in the tri-state area. There's several others, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, that's what I love, is yeah. the idea that there's more than one. Right. Or that he's not the most lucrative in the country. Yes. Like somewhere well, else in the like, tri-state area. Like, like, Ultraman has a much better Dominic Fortune there. is just <laughs> nipping at his heels. <laughs> On the day the issue was released, Bendis posted a tweet that said, quote, Hey, Avengers fans, that was fun. 232 issues of crazy. Is my last page hinting at a new book by me and Mike Diodato, question mark? Uh, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, Bleeding Cool has pointed out that so far, Iron Fist is nowhere to be found in the current Marvel now, now landscape. <laughs> so what do you think, Matt? And Dave, for that matter. A Heroes for Hire book starring Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Go- Jones, and Squirrel Girl by Bendis and Diodato? That sounds good to me. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. Too. Mike Diodato is not annoying me like he used to. He I kind of annoys me. He doesn't so much anymore. Everything doesn't look like gay porn when he's drawing it. You know, like for a while there, every Are you pose, sure you're not thinking of Greg Land? No, I'm thinking of Mike Diodato. Every dude that he drew looked like he was in the throes of orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like arms back, mouth wide open. <laughs> and like, oh! <laughs> tone, it, tone it down, Diodato, I no, guess. Yeah, he mellowed out a little bit and his style's been really good and Give me a break. Heroes for Hire. This is a book that we should be reading every month. Heroes I for Hire it. with Squirrel Girl. 
So they could take on Thanos and reasonably have a... Squirrel Girl is not, like, vital to my story, but I understand you have a problem with anthropomorphic female characters. (laughs) And we'll get into that in a little bit. I think that A Heroes for Hire book by Bendis, that is a book that he's, like, born to write. Yeah, and he could focus on a small cast. And obviously, he loves so much... He loves Luke Cage and Jessica Jones so much, and Iron Fist, and I'm really glad that there are plans, allegedly, in place to keep that alive, and I think he is made for this book, and if he can make Heroes for Hire a book like Hawkeye, like Fraction has made Hawkeye, yeah, like third-tier characters but can't miss reading. I don't know if Hawkeye's a third-tier character anymore. But you know what I mean. Right, right, right. I gotcha. And I just, uh, I, I want that. I want, I want the... I want the non-A-list characters to thrive. That's what makes Marvel great well, is, is all these extra characters. Isn't Heroes for Hire, I mean, with Bendis writing Heroes for Hire, isn't that just Alias with more people? Not so much. I think it's a buddy book. No, but that's what I'm saying. He writes it as a buddy book. Alias with way less uh, anal sex and curse words. Well, fair, <laughs> yes, yes. But the point is that a- Alias became a hero, like Luke Cage jumped on, heroes start showing up more and more, the whole thing. I mean, right. and I think that this is the logical progression. And I'm, I loved Alias. I'm excited for this. Yeah. No, and I like I, it too. I do and really. he loves writing Jessica. And it's true. He loves writing Jessica and uh, Power Man, who, Luke. He loves writing Jessica and Luke. And yeah, I, Tiara, I have been, yeah, I have been wanting Jessica Jones to kind of have a more active role for a while. And he said, she's going to join the Avengers. And it didn't actually happen. Well, no, she did for 15 minutes. Yeah, but it's like when they said, and now joining the Avengers, Storm. How much was Storm in that book? Another 15, 20 minutes, maybe? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I want, I want more Jessica Jones. She's been on the sidelines for too long. I think this is a good thing. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page. Where we're writing a little Heroes for Hire treatment ourselves involving Luke, Jessica, Danny, Jennifer Garner, and Jennifer Garner searching for the Rimbaldi devices. By the way, Alias ended so poorly. The TV show. I really like the show. The end was just bad. I don't remember it. It was bad. I don't remember it at all. Unmemorable, certainly. Each week, my battered spouse, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and then we read your responses on the show, making you instantly internet famous. This week's question was... With characters like Cannonball and Sunspot becoming Avengers, spoiler alert, who do you think deserves to be called up to the big leagues? It's not a spoiler. Oh, kind of. No, it was announced months ago. That's fair. That's fair. Our first response comes from Ethan Johnson on Twitter. Welcome aboard, Ethan. Welcome aboard, Ethan. He says Colossus would have fit in very well before he became damaged goods. Yeah, now now he's a criminal. Thanks, Avix. (laughs) Good call on the Avix. Yes. Moving over to Facebook, we have a lot of responses, uh, as usual, and also, as usual, many of them are completely ridiculous. Of course. Ryan Mount says, next wave agents of hate should join the Avengers. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) No. No. Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) THN's very own Aaron Myers says, five words, devil dinosaur and moon boy. Love it. (laughs) I love it. It's going to be like time liaisons. Yes. They could be the Avengers Savage Land. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, Hold on. Buckling in pain. Kazar and Moon Boy. Save it. <laughs> Devil Dinosaur. Speaking of. Zabu. <laughs> our buddy Jared wrote in saying he wants Kazar, Lord of the Hidden Jungle, and Shanna, the She-Devil, to join the Avengers. Totally love it. The Savage Land Squad. I totally yeah. love it. And if you throw in Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. You got it. Boom. Zabu. Savage Land Avengers. You got to have Zabu in there. Oh, man. And probably for some reason Wolverine. No. Because yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah, he is everywhere. That guy gets around. 
I think it'd be funny if it turned out Wolverine actually had multiple man's power. Like, all this time. Or Wolverine was actually four people. Yeah. He doesn't even have any power. He was just, like, four guys. <laughs> He's not regenerating. For he no reason. replaces himself. And they all, like, for some reason, like, share thoughts and stuff. And, like, you know, like wait a minute. I remember that. You know? Like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the THN mouthpiece Ryan Forrest adds marrow, random, skids. Whoa. That underused powerhouse with the two slugs on his shoulders. His Ma- name was Maggot. Maggot. And yeah. they were maggots. Tentacle they arms. They lived in his stomach. They, yes. they were They were They were his, his digestive yes. system. Yeah. Yes. Ten- tentacle. Meanie meanie. They were meanie lower intestine. <laughs> Tentacle-armed Callisto from Extreme X-Men. Forgot about that Thanks crap. a lot, Chris Claremont. Yeah. Triathlon and Gilgamesh the Forgotten One. Wow. When you say triathlon, you, of course, mean 3D Man. 3D Man, okay. yes. He is currently the 3D Man. Strong as three dudes. As, as strong as three dudes. <laughs> DeMarco. One man with three dudes inside him, I think, is the... Well, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> that's a gay fan fiction. He's waiting to be ready. <laughs> and our buddy... Three, three he wants the demon. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and obviously Ryan was joking, but our buddy John at Burnt Wieners wrote in with a very serious defense of Marrow. What? <laughs> Marrow. She has the perfect connection to be an ambassador to the Morlocks. Oh, boy. Which oh. opens up a lot of story ideas. Are the Morlocks still around? Yeah, yeah. E- they're kind of scattered sort of, to yeah. the four corners, but they're still around. I think currently she's not X-Gene powered, but Moonstar was a great character without her powers, and she could be an excellent addition to their street team. She got her powers back. And if Marrow gets her powers back, she could make a great addition to the Black Ops squad if needed. That is her true. powers are that she's pointy. She's, right? she, no, no, no. She's the boner. Remember? Oh, she that's shoots right, the bones. Boner. Yeah, she yeah. pulls her bones out and uses them like weapons. <laughs> yeah. Her bones are rapidly grow and, and she can pull them out and use them as knives. There was a... Oh. There it was just a, sounds like she's sick. Like she has bone cancer or kind something. Kind of. No, but she regrows them really fast. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that works then. And to wrap up our first round of answers, as always, Justin O'Connor. Here we go. Can't disappoint. The only man who has the power to destroy the entire Marvel Universe, Fred Hembeck. Oh. Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel Universe. I love Fred Hembeck. I love it. So he would be a member of the Avengers? He would be a member of the Avengers. He should be like the butler. And he would have circles for knees. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Swirly elbows. (laughs) I want like whatever artist is drawing him as real as he is to still draw the circles on the knees. Your knees are hypno Great answers so far, guys, and we'll get to some more serious responses later on in this damn show. It's review time on THN, where this week Matt will distract the ref while I knock him out with a folding chair, and then we'll both go off the top rope and drop a two-headed skull smash on next week's Avengers number one. That's right. We got a pre-release copy. Well, the store did. We didn't. Hey, We're not that important. By extension, we. Yeah, oh, us. Yeah. We're talking about Avengers, number one, coming this next Wednesday from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Jerome Opinia. Here's your solicit. Jerome. Jerome Opinia? (laughs) Jerome Opinia. Jerome Opinia. (laughs) The greatest heroes and... Here's your solicit, sorry. The greatest heroes in comics together on one unbeatable team. Now shipping twice a month. Beaten in the first issue. The Avengers go large, expanding their roster and their sphere of influence to a global and even interplanetary level. When Captain America puts out his call, who will answer? Big threats, big ideas, big idealism. These are the Avengers... Now! One. One. <laughs> now! 
So, Jonathan Hickman gets called up to the big leagues to relaunch the Avengers, and in typical Hickman fashion, the story starts at the dawn of time. <laughs> yeah, we're quickly, Begin at the beginning. Yeah, we're quickly brought to the present after some glimpses of things to come, including a preview of what looks like a big cosmic war and the possible mention of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Maybe. They said the guard falls no, on the that, dead that was moon? No, that was the Imperial Guard. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Then we're introduced to X. Nihilo. Nihilo? Nihilo. 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 His name is Latin for out of nothing. Ooh. He's got one big horn, one little horn, and three eyes. He looks like Magog. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Magog with a weird beard. Yeah, weird beard. Like a weird face armor beard thing. I don't know what it was, but he's cool looking. He was cool. And Nihilo has terraformed Mars and has been shooting origin bombs, which (laughs) sounds disgusting, from Mars to Earth. And when they hit, the origin bombs seem to change the evolution of the target area altogether. Like they said, it hit Perth and it hit uh, uh, Regina. Was that it? Yeah. In Alaska, right? Australia. And completely re-evolved the area. And all the people there are dead, apparently. Two million people were killed in this. Iron Man. Or, pardon me, Bruce Banner says something to that effect. And so a very recognizable Avengers team, the same one you saw in theaters this summer, heads to Mars to see who's doing the shooting. When they get there, the Avengers' collective butts are instantly kicked by X Nihilio. That's what I'm going to call him. (laughs) His robot boyfriend, Aleph, and a vampy chick named Abyss. What's the Nihilio? (laughs) (laughs) After the whooping, Cap is placed on the Quinjet and literally thrown back to Earth as a warning. So, time for a new team of Avengers, I guess. Yeah. Right? Sure. Totally. I mean, what, broken. what do you do now? They want to go bigger, and going bigger means recruiting a lot more people. Yeah, I loved the idea that for months now, Tony and Cap have been planning this. Yeah. And so when Cap gets back to Earth and he finally wakes up from his crash landing, he's able to, like, send the call. Time to go. And there's like a dozen people out there that are just like, they saw the Thundercat symbol in the air. and they're Pretty like, much. Bling. Yeah. And <laughs> they eyes, all show up. Blow and they show yeah. up. This issue was great. It was really great. It was awesome. Starting with art by Jerome Opinion. Holy the God. guy cannot be stopped. This is beautiful. He brings his weird, realistic, gooey sense to the book. Gooey? Showing us like the weird chamber that Ex Nihilio is creating like a new primate to live on Earth in. And it looks like this weird like yeah. sea cucumber yeah. uterus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Cucumberous. <laughs> Gross. It was just beautiful. And the design on X Nihilio is really cool. He's great looking, and he's not like a mustache twiddling no. bad guy. No. He's kind of nice. And he's like, I'm trying to do something nice for you people. Why are you fighting me? <laughs> you I'm trying to do something nice by erasing all of you and replacing yeah, you. Yeah, or with making the next you generation. better, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I thought this book was beautiful. The art is so good, and the coloring, again, by Dean White. Who worked on X Force for so long? Oh, just with perfect. Those two together, it produced something very special. I really like that the way the Hickman's writing this. He's bringing his huge sci-fi sensibility that, to the Avengers huge, big without crushing it into the actual Avengers. Right here, we're seeing a really cool cosmic bad guy 
who's way prepared for the Avengers when they do show up. And there's actually a really, I mean, it's really cool the way that they play everybody against each other and just instantly end them. It was really well executed. Like, yeah. the Hulk jumps out and rawr, and she puts him in a black bubble and whispers in his ear, you're like, hey, you know who's a jerk? Thor. Yeah. <laughs> like, go get that guy. And he's like, you're right. <laughs> and like, knocks the crap out of Thor. You know, it like, it was really well done. And then Cap comes back to Earth and realizes this is exactly what Tony was talking about. We about were f- unprepared. Yeah. We were unprepared for what happened with the Phoenix Five, and that's not even the worst of it. It's going to get worse, and we're not going to see it coming. We need a team of specialists for each different mission that's thrown in front of us. Uh, we're going to talk about the last page here a little bit, but There's the, so- the solicits have already said of all these characters that are joining. So Yeah, it's, so it's not much of a spoiler, you know, but if you haven't read it, you they, don't want to The read last Avengers. page shows the expanded roster, or at least the beginning of the expanded roster. If you don't want us to ruin it, tune into the Polis podcast. They're much better about not spoiling things. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, you see the expanded roster, and there's like a Captain Universe. Oh, jeez. There's a female Captain Universe. Captain Universe. There's a Hyperion from the Squadron Supreme. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, and there's a great scene in the beginning where they show like AIM pulling Hyperion out of his dying reality. Something like that. It's yeah. really cool. It's like a huge robot arm grabbing him and pulling him through this like time displacement thing. I don't know. You've got Cannonball and Sunspot and Shang-Chi. Falcon. Uh, and Falcon. And then there's the the usual suspects as well. Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel and Spider-Man and Wolverine are there. And what I think is interesting is that there's the addition of... Dreadlock, dude. Who's oh, this? well, there's Eben from Secret Warriors. He was the teleporting character from Hickman's Secret Warriors. Oh, yeah. Warriors. He's Gateway's kid. Teleporter. Gateway's son, yeah. Gateway's son. And But there is a female version dressed like Smasher from the Imperial Guard. She's the first human member of the Imperial Guard. What? The CR Imperial Guard. And now she's an Avenger. All they do is make fun of humans. I know. I cannot wait, though, to read about it. <laughs> this thing is designed so well. It's got all of Hickman's usual like weird diagrams and stuff. Yeah. And then there's this image on the last page that is it's like the a in the center and then you have a circle with each of their symbols you've got so you've got captain america thor iron man hulk hawkeye and black widow so you've got the main avengers and then from certain characters like iron man hawkeye captain america and thor it branches off and then the symbols of the new members are filling in and you know, in typical Hickman fashion, you can stare at it for an hour and not exactly figure it out. But it is showing who they picked. Definitely. But I think it's like, e- I think each one of those members of the Avengers handpicked, they're saying that they handpicked these people to join. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Hawkeye chose Eben from Secret Warriors. Iron Man said, hey, Wolverine and Spider-Woman, we want you to still be on the team, but let's bring on Cannonball and Sunspot. Thor went for heavy hitters like this new Smasher and Hyperion and Captain Universe. Thor just knows Captain Universe. <laughs> sure. They hang out. Yeah. And, He's a god. Yeah. And what's fun about it is that not every circle's filled in. Ooh. So you're like, who else is going to be on yeah, that yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the Black Widow picked nobody. Yeah, well, not everyone got a pick, maybe. <laughs> I guess. But it's just really she showed great. showed up late. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, too bad. New we're kind pick. Of, we're kind and there's like two big circles on top and bottom, like bigger than everybody else's. Yeah, we. Oh, what is that? I look forward to them filling the rest of that in. It's just a, a neat puzzle that Hickman has thrown in there. He's already he's come onto the book one issue, and he's already shaken things up enough that it's still the Avengers is still recognizable, but it's not of the Bendis Avengers. But it's, no question, it feels so fresh. Yeah, and and big and grand. It's got a huge scope to it, which is something I don't really feel 
Bendis ever captured. That's not really what he does. Well, he's more street level. Right. Yeah. And that's what he's good at. But this is like huge in scope. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely not the Bendis Avengers. It feels very much like Hickman's book already. I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I can't give this a bigger buy it. I love I it. I really can't. I, I loved it, loved it, loved it. I give it a buy it as well. This comes out next week. Get to your comic shop. Pick this up. You will not regret it. Even if you haven't been reading the Avengers, this is a great place to jump onto the Avengers. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you our resident brony, Dave DeMarco. We couldn't find any little girls to review <laughs> My Little Pony, so we did, got the next best thing. I am the next best Special guest host, Dave DeMarco. Hi, everybody. Take it away, buddy. All right. Uh, so here is the solicit to My Little Pony number one, written by Katie Cook and art by Andy Price. Uh, welcome to Ponyville, home of Twilight Sparkle, Rainbow Dash, Rarity, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, Applejack, and all your other favorite ponies. Oh, Jesus Christ. Something is not Cocoa right. <laughs> Something is not right in the town, though, as some of the inhabitants are acting very, very strange. It's up to the main six to find the source of the weirdness before it's too late. Full disclosure, I enjoy My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, the cartoon. That's that. And now that that's out of the way. You're a very brave man, sir. I'm a brave man. Now that's that. Now that that's out of the way, or let's a pervert. Talk I'm, I'm just, about yes, of course. The obvious. Jokes. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. You're judging. You are judging. That's I'm all judging. you're doing. If you were a pony, you'd have a judge's gavel on your cutie mark. I don't nobody draw that. <laughs> Somebody make that, please. Fan art of Matt Bomb as a pony judging other ponies. So let's talk about the comic because it is different from the cartoon in the sense that you know the cartoon's the cartoon. Uh, in the first issue of My Little Pony. Ponyville is under assault from the most dastardly of villains, the Changelings, which is something that if you've watched the cartoon, you'd know what they are. And they kind of play with the idea of the invasion of the body snatchers and the main ponies trying to rescue the Cutie Mark Crusaders from being captured by Queen Chrysalis. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa yeah, whoa. I know, right? The what? Yeah, don't worry about it. The just Cutie Mark Crusaders. Let it wash over you. <laughs> Listen, for those not in the know, there are the ponies have like... They have little analogs, whatever, and they are cutie markless. There's also other talking animals and crap. Well, yeah. Okay. There's dragons and things. So they live in a world where just animals talk. They live in a fa- it's a fantasy world. They are ponies and This is are... not Earth. No. Okay. No, this is I Equestria is what it's called. Got it. Right. <laughs> so the ponies are like the ruling class. Probably, yeah. Okay. They seem to well, except there are there are threats that show up that Do they are... have slaves? Like are the other animals their slaves? Uh no. It doesn't seem to be the like, case. Like Pluto and Goofy kind of thing. So they're just like no. friends. No, in fact, like they're if anything, the ponies have a class system that they operate in where you have unicorns that are sort of like the magic users. The Pegasuses can Pegasus? I don't know. Pegasi? Pegasi. Let's go with, let's go with Pegasus. Pegasi. Uh they can control the weather. A pod of Pegasus. And then there are ponies like Applejack who are just A like, murder of Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> um and then there are ponies like Applejack or Fluttershy who are they're like the terrestrial ponies, and they sort of do like the normal jobs, like run the shops, harvest the food. I'm just watching you dig your hole. I'm it's, not it's digging just, a hole. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> you asked about the show, and I'm explaining it. It's a complex system. Go back got to it, the got cutie it, got mark. it. Back all to right. cutie mark thing. So the cutie mark crusaders are three little ponies who are, they don't have their cutie marks, which is sort of your identity. Like, if you are rarity, you have diamonds for your cutie mark because you are an expert of the rare and wonderful sort of a thing. So the cutie marks show who you are the cutie mark crusaders it's don't a, have them. it's a care bear type thing 
Yes. Kind of, okay. yeah. Yes. So these ponies, you don't get your cutie mark until you've kind of established your own identity. Like so Party Bear has a butt with a cloud coming out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so the Cutie Mark Crusaders are three little ponies who have not established their identities, and they're trying very hard to kind of set themselves apart in the world. Okay. And they get captured by... It's not so much a classism as a caste system. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I suppose. But they're not, they're not belittled. It's like they're going for their pony merit badges. Right. Yes. They want to become pony Brahmin. It's like, a, it'd be like becoming... They're like, pony untouchables. They want to become <laughs> pony Brahmin. I get no. it. Um, so they get captured by the changelings and it's up to the standard ponies to rescue them. Got it. If you've never seen the show or don't know anything about it, it doesn't hold your hand. It's pretty much like... Here you go. Here's everything that's happening. If you're of reasonable intelligence, you can deduce that, okay, this is the quiet one. This is the funny one. That sort of a thing. But they're not going to spell it all out. So if you're as intelligent as the average little girl that should be watching the show, is what you're saying. No. (laughs) The show, the comic and the show... Are both very? I think they're they're smarter than that. It's a the people who write this. Both I'll give them. you it was it was cute. It was it like written so an adult could read it with someone and get a couple chuckles yes, here and there. And I would I would say it's it's past equivalent would be like the Powerpuff Girls. Yes, where you have there it's like ostensibly super adorable three little girls who fight crime. But it's smarter than that. Right. It's not right. just all cutesy. Like It's self-aware. This yes. is a good reinvention it knows what it is. of My Little Pony. Absolutely. I yeah. would argue it's still for girls, not for adult males. But it is a good reinvention Look, of I mean, My Little Pony. It's one of those things where if you, if you like something that is adorable and also just nice, it's just like a half hour of adorable and nice with characters that are consistent and storylines that... that um, you know, follow through that sort of a thing. It's worth watching, and it's and the comic is worth reading if you are a fan of the show. If you're not, I can recommend it all day. You probably won't care and think you're a pervert. You can think that, but you'd be a bad person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not a, it's not about anything like that. It's just adorable and nice. Fair so, enough. Uh, so my recommendation to use the two headed nerd vernacular would be: if you are a watcher of the cartoon and like it, certainly buy this comic. If you have never watched the cartoon. Don't buy. I mean, okay, is this is this a comic book that you could give to your niece, daughter, uh, like what age group? Like to get girls interested in comics is difficult. It's very hard. There aren't a lot of comics out there for girls. And I'm being serious. I'm not yeah. calling you a little girl. No, I know. Even though, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm sensitive. Is there like what is the age group you would, you throw this at? If I've got a niece, I've got a daughter. And, I would certainly say, yeah. I mean, to be. Per, like 100% like stereotypical little girls between the ages of 5 and 10 should absorb this. They should love it. Now, that out of being your mouth. said... Out of Dave DeMarco's mouth. Out of this my is a mouth. book for little girls ages 5 to 10. Now, that being said, <laughs> there's also a scene in the in the My Little Pony where uh, the you know the changelings have come and, and they're taking over the town and there's a page where uh, one of them looks like Donald Sutherland and he's doing the... Uh, scene from uh the invasion of the body snatchers right so there's 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 things, things in there. here for the adults yeah so well. it's a smarter book than just than just there that. are many sight gags there's the blues brothers are in there sure magnum pi magnum pi is in there selling mustaches i yeah, mean which it's a self-aware thing they know what it is that they're right. writing they know about. exactly what they're doing that's obvious what is a disservice to the book is assuming what matt assumes is that and is that if you like it and you are not the demographic. You are some sort of deviant. No, you're yeah. sexually attracted to animals that no, talk. That no, is, yes. that is not the case. <laughs> uh, now, I will say as an outsider, I read the book having never seen the show. And I've had conversations with Dave about the show. So I knew kind of what to expect. 
but that kind of self-aware enjoyment where enjoying it on another level i thought outside of a few sight gags it doesn't translate to the comic it right. is also the first issue and it's also that's true it's also very much in the school of like the reinvention of mighty mouse that happened in the late 80s by the guy by spumco who did ren and stimpy right where yeah. like uh they take something old and revitalize it making it funny and cute i mean it used to be like weird little prissy ponies hopping around like yeah you'd brush their hair and that's right it. yeah they didn't have like a thing now they have some personality yeah. and they're funny and no and, I mean, yeah, and like, they t- they're tough and they go on adventures yeah i would totally yeah. recommend this, this if book, you're trying to get a younger girl interested in, in comics and you want to read something fun with them sure so there you or go. if you like the show if you're not or if you're if you're a guy stop it likes the show <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> listen i will fully admit and when i was younger i would watch saturday morning cartoons gi joe was on and there's a show called jim on right after it, I'd stay and watch that too. Hey, I watched Gem and the Holograms. There you go. Hey, totally did. It's the Aha, same it synergy. Is, it is the same like, sort of idea. We are it's the like misfits. Our well, songs yeah. are better. And you're watching lady <laughs> rock stars misfits. put on fancy I'm outfits and sing her. a song. So this is the same kind of deal. If you like Gem and you're you now you're 35, 40 years old, <laughs> and you still like Gem, <laughs> I would watch Gem. Is it on Netflix? I'm gonna go look when I get it's on Boomerang. It's, it's on, on Boomerang. Hooray. Done. So that is a double buy it for the relaunched Avengers and a triple buy it. What? My Little Pony. Woo-hoo. Number one. Of course, we want to know what you new recruits and furries thought of these comics. So hit us up over at the comments section for this episode on TwoHeadedNerd.com. Now it's time for Joe and myself and our buddy Quicksilver to mount our underage female friend Rainbow Dash because we're going back to Cali to put a super speed hurt on Chris Brown until he shines bright like a black and blue diamond. <laughs> but on the way, let's review ten of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Wow. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Hero of Alexandria number one, Ape Entertainment. This is a fun little like historical adventure story from Ape Entertainment. We don't really talk about those guys too often, but I picked this one up. It's got great art. It was actually pretty fun. I kept expecting some sort of fantasy element, but it, n- it hasn't happened yet. But it is like an alternate timeline where the Roman Empire is way more advanced than they should be. Okay. It was a lot of fun. I'm giving it a buy it. Hey, all right. Uncanny Avengers number two, Marvel. Uncanny Avengers number one was kind of like, here's what's going to happen this season in Uncanny Avengers. But Uncanny Avengers number two totally starts fleshing out the story. The Red Skull is explained exactly why he's back. It took two seconds, and it totally works. It's scary. I love it. There's a really gross scene with the corpse of Charles Xavier that totally hit home. I love this book. Buy it. R.I.P.D. City of the Dam number one, Dark Horse. I loved the original R.I.P.D. series that came out back in the, I don't know, it was late 90s, 90s, early 2000s. It was funny. It was more cartoony. This one's way more serious with like intense painted art. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was. It did not match the tone I remember from the original series. Was that a Wildstorm book? No, it's always been Dark Horse. It, has a, it was Dark Horse. Okay. Uh, I'm giving it a skim. It. It wasn't bad, but I kind of missed the uh, the old version. Talent number two, DC. There are good DC relaunch books out there, and Talon is definitely one of them. I'm really enjoying this. James Tynan the fourth writing Juan Jose Rip, who we just discussed last week, draws this issue, and it was amazing. Really? He did? It looked 
beautiful. That guy is coming up. He's going to have a full-time penciling job at either DC or Marvel very soon. Totally deserves it. I also like how this is not your typical Bat character. They're very much playing up on the escape artist aspect of this, and it's awesome. Buy it. Venom 27.1 Marvel. I have not read Venom for a while. I think it's going away soon. I picked this up because it was a point one, and I have to admit, it was actually really good. I, I've enjoyed it. Cullen, it's a good book. Cullen Bunn's the new writer. Marco Chichito, Cheese Cheeto did the art. He's so good. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun. Apparently, Venom is possessed by a demon, and he doesn't know it. Oh. <laughs> and so the demon wakes up when he's asleep and drags him around. Tormenting his mother. Sort of like the costume used to yeah, do to kind of. Peter back in the day. It was really fun, and it sets up the new status quo. I think I might keep reading it for a while. I'm giving it a buy it. FF number one, Marvel. This is the comic book that probably most of you overlooked because it's got kind of a silly cover. It is Mike Alred, who is one of my favorites. I cannot say enough about how excited I am for this book. I'm really glad the kids are still present here. I love the direction they're taking. With the Fantastic Four is leaving town for four minutes in a month. And they need someone to be the Fantastic Four for that four minutes. I love the fact that <laughs> nobody in the Fantastic Four actually thinks it will only take four minutes. Yeah, they're like, yeah, Ben Grimm is having a talk with She-Hulk. And he's like, uh, it's us. You know something when terrible is, when is When has it ever happen. gone to plan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This book was wonderful. It looked great. It's written really well. Matt Fraction is just going to go insane here. And it's going to be a fun ride. Buy this. Buy this. Buy this. Nowhere Men number one, Image. This is a new book written by Eric Stevenson with art by Nate Bellagarde. It is very Jonathan Hickman-esque if you look at it. Eric Stevenson. Why do Eric I Eric Stevenson the name? is like the president or publisher of Image. Oh, that's why I recognize that name. Yeah. Okay. This was really good. It's about a group of scientists uh, from a think tank that were treated with celebrity status like the Beatles back in the 60s. Yeah. And now it's the present day and their work has changed the world. And things are not going great. Uh, I loved it. it. The art is wonderful. This is a great new book from Image. Always knocking it out of park. I'm yeah. going to buy it. Great job, Image. Masks number one, Dynamite Entertainment. So, this is the first fully painted interior comic art we have seen from Alex Ross in quite a long time. Decades. And I've got to say, it, it's not that it was bad. It was pretty to look at. I love the way he paints the shadow. He's got it like this Ray Fiennes kind of look to him, and he's really scary looking. But it felt kind of blah, a little stale to me. Yeah, that's because like, it's a team-up book between Green Arrow, uh, Green Hornet, the I Shadow, mean, and I'm the Spider. Sp- I'm speaking the art only. It uh. kind of felt like Alex Ross was kind of walking through the paces. Roberson does a good job tying this in, but they kind of throw you into it. And if you're not reading these books, I don't know that you'd know what was going on. It's this Justice Party theme. I think that's just part of the storytelling. Like, it may be, but it, like, I was really confused as to a, what was happening. It's an old-timey, pulpy adventure, and the plot gets moving very quickly, like unrealistically quickly. fast. Too quickly. I'm saying if that's the case, it's bad writing. I'm saying if that's not the case, and this is coming out of the other books that are taking place, it's also bad writing. I because the- I mean, if you want to introduce people to this idea and say, look at all these characters, now go read their books... This is not a good way to do it. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to say leave it, because it is Alex Ross art, and there is some pretty stuff. I can only give it a skim it. He's not drawing anymore, though. He only did the first one? At least for now. The next art is, I think, Dennis Calero. Lame! Leave it! Sorry. There it is! Leave it! <laughs> I'm sorry. <It's> right. <laughs> Helheim, preview edition. Okay, Dave, you're more excited. Helheim, preview go. edition. <laughs> Oni Press. Here he is, folks. <laughs> 
Uh, so this is a little bit different. We got in a preview copy of a book that's not out until March. Whoa. They was offered to retailers as a, hey, check this out. It's a new book from Cullen Bunn with art by Joelle Jones. He's now writing 200 books a month. Yeah. Joelle Jones is kind of an indie darling. She's been around. Uh, she's done a lot of stuff, especially for Oni. She's got a darling this, name, Joelle. Yeah. This is a, like a supernatural Viking story in the same way that oh, Six Gun fun. is a supernatural Western. Fun. And I'm saying ask your retailer about it. Look it up. Find more information. Tell your retailer you want Helheim. It was awesome. And in color, I can't imagine how much better it will be. So it was a black and white preview. Yeah, okay. great art. And make sure your retailer gets in Helheim from Oni Press. It's in the new previews that just came out. So I guess buy it. Witch Doctor, malpractice number one, image. The Witch Doctor is back. Think House MD meets Doctor Strange. This book is so much fun. They have all these ridiculous medical terms. For instance, the term of a curse that's caused directly by a witch, Maleficiogenic. <laughs> it means I love it. caused by witches. <laughs> it's just a wonderful book. The art by Lucas Kettner is really gross. The monsters are gross. The demons are gross. The doctor is crazy. It is a fun read. Pick this up. Buy it. Fuck. That is your ludicrous speed round, and fuck is the sound made when She-Hulk punches a heavy bag off its chain and into the ever-loving blue-eyed Ben Grimm, as seen in the pages of FF number one. Now join us, please, in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, and never mind the soft weeping. Matt and I had drinks last night with some lovely young ponies, and after slipping a little rohypnol into the unsuspecting unicorn Twilight Sparkles Appletini... Before we go any further, this is not date rape humor, so... <laughs> Isn't it? No, it's torture. <laughs> we secreted her away back to the sanctum where we tore her cute little horn from her skull. Why are you guys and doing this? And quickly ground it into a powder. You're the worst. Now we invite you to join us in snorting the horn of a slowly dying unicorn. See, that's key. It has to be slowly dying. Which will allow us <laughs> to appear into the future of next week's comics. They Man. bleed out of their head very slowly. That was tough to get through. Matt, <laughs> what's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Hellboy in Hell, number one, from Dark Horse. Written and drawn by Mike Mignola. That's right. He's writing and drawing the whole damn thing. With colors by the unstoppable Dave Stewart. This is the story of what happens after the death of Hellboy. Spoiler alert. Can't wait. (laughs) Joe Patrick, what are you excited for next week? I'm looking forward to The Legend of Luther Strode, number one from Image, written by Justin Jordan, with art by Trad Moore. Ooh, it's going to be good. As you may recall, we loved the strange talent of Luther Strode last year, and I am very, very excited for the return. It picks up five years later. Luther Strode has kind of lost everything, and he's got nothing left but to be a total nightmare to the (laughs) villains of the city, and I cannot wait to read about it. Special guest star, Dave DeMarco, what are you excited for? I am most looking forward to Amazing Spider-Man 699, written by Dan Slott and drawn by Humberto Ramos, especially considering the events of 699. What will happen to Spider-Man in the last two issues? Oh boy. I cannot wait to find out. Our trade paperback pick for next week is Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker. The hardcover from Image, collecting the first Butcher Baker miniseries by Joe Joe Casey Casey. and 
the indomitable Mike Huddleston. I love that guy. He the needs more work. Abominable Mike Huddleston. Think Captain America after he's crunched up Viagra and snorted it. <laughs> Butcher Baker is amazing. There was an Indian sex goddess. The <laughs> book dis- defies description. It got really far out. And be sure to tell us what comics the stinging blast of powdered unicorn horn hitting your sinuses has revealed to you over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And don't worry, we're not going to waste that horsey. She'll be ground into sausage later. Oh. Delicious, magical sausage. Oh. Before we move on, Joe Patrick, why don't you read us some more answers to the question of the week? Getting into some serious responses, Chris Duffy, PhD, wrote in... <laughs> he didn't go to school for eight years to be called Mr. Chris Duffy, I'll tell you that <laughs> That's <much>. right. <laughs> he writes in suggesting Songbird. She's been deserving of Avengers status for years yeah, now. and they've been crapping on her for years now. Never more so than now after her long stint as a government-approved superhero in the Luke Cage-led Thunderbolts. I love And I it. have to agree. I love Songbird. Uh, maybe, no, it was Avengers Forever. In the future, Songbird is an Avenger. But yes, I think Songbird would make a great Avenger. I totally agree. agree. Uh, Jason Colner says, I think it'd be really interesting to see Jamie Madrox become an Avenger. I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I don't hate it. I would rather see Jamie Madrox as a secret Avenger, though. I think he'd be really cool on that team. Maybe. He could have eyes everywhere, you know, like the everyman spying on people and stuff. I I think he'd be a (laughs) rad secret Avenger. (laughs) Buy stock and like fake mustaches. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Wearing funny glasses. Jamie Madrox is on the prowl. Jamie Madrox, why do you have a top hat on? <laughs> I'm in disguise. <laughs> Wade Lyles writes in, suggesting Gorilla Man in M11. I love it. From Agents of Atlas. I love it. Scarlet Spider, maybe. Mm-mm, nope. The Master of Kung Fu, already done. Done. Done and done. Toxin. Come on, Wade. <laughs> what? Uh, and Beta Ray Bill. Yes. I want, Beta Ray Bill on the Avengers. I want Beta Ray Bill in yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's where I want him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's where I want him. That's a good point. He also says it might be fun to see somebody from the Council of Reeds join the Avengers. Like a like a weird version of Reed Richards. Or like an alternate Richards. Reed Richards. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, Michael Robertson says, I'd love to see Nightcrawler back as an Avenger. The real Nightcrawler. Uh, he, he did. I'm into it. He did. I'm into it. Sorry, buddy. We we have evil Nightcrawler with the red tattoo now. Who? You know what? I like. <laughs> We've got a, uh, a another funny response that I missed before. Zach Hollowell writes in saying, "Dupe, let oh, him dude. become the new romantic playboy character of the Avengers." <laughs> <laughs> have all the all the female members like, "Hey, dupe, what's going on?" He was totally great in Wolverine and the X Men. Yeah, yeah. That issue sure. where they just where they explained why, why he's, he's there. there yeah. <laughs> he's doing all these horrible things. <laughs> And Zach says, also, maybe the wizard, who is a golden age, he was a golden age, uh, he's a flash analog, okay. essentially. Now we're just appeasing Zach by saying wizard on With the a air. really That's funny name. Yeah, radioactive, the wizard. Uh, radioactive mongoose blood, I the believe. The wizard. He had radioactive mongoose blood? That yeah. That's what gave everyone, him his powers. Oh. Everyone knows that, that makes sense. mongooses yeah. have super speed. Sure. Stephen Kohler says, long shot. He's been treated like a joke or comic relief for too long. I don't hate that. He's supposed to be a badass revolutionary leader, and I'd love to see someone like Rick Remender or Jason Aaron write him. I, yeah, Longshot in the Avengers? I don't hate that. Not too shabby. Or Longshot is a secret Avenger. Ooh. Yeah, I'm that's good. this rad secret Avenger team. <laughs> Led by Bucky, well, who's still, your uh, new U.S. agent. Screw this Winter Soldier stuff. <laughs> well, no, they're bringing back his, U.S. agent, they announced. Mullet. Keep the mullet. Same dude. 
He yeah. can't be. He's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have any legs. Not no more. Oh, man. Uh, Bob Os- Osland seconds the Songbird thing, saying, I've been praying that Songbird would someday show up on the Avengers roster ever since. Avengers Forever. Right on. And finally, Brian Domingos. Welcome aboard, Brian. Brian may have written in before, but welcome aboard anyway. Yeah. Brian Domingos. <laughs> welcome back aboard, Brian. <laughs> Brian Domingos writes, the fact that Sabra is not an Avenger, is a kick in the face to women everywhere. And Jews. We don't have any Jewish Avengers, man. The thing? He ain't on the team no more. He was a new Avenger. Yeah, no, but she should totally be there. I love Sabra. Luke Cage? Yeah, man. He's not Jewish. Converted. What? (laughs) You made that up. (laughs) Sabra should totally be there. She's female Superman. No. Yeah, she's super she's not spe- as strong as Superman. super fast, super strong. I mean, not yeah, as strong as Superman. She has the standard like she has a blank power set. It's just the usual. Yeah, but she's super and strong. And she shoots needles. Super fast, she flies and she shoots needles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Superman. But I mean, in all seriousness, I do think I wish Sabra was better established and, and a more recognizable. I would take her as an Avenger. I think character. that's cool. Great responses everybody as always. And uh if you wrote in and I didn't read you on the show, sorry. It's just too ridiculous. Keep firing, souls. <laughs> it's that time of year again, and we've been decorating for Chanukah all week. So, to get you nerds in the holiday spirit, today we'll be discussing the greatest holiday-themed comics of all time! So we sat down, dug through the internet, trying to remember our childhood memories of reading comics. I do. Every Christmas, I read all the holiday comics. Good or bad. You're weird. Even the one where Dan DiDio wrote the story about Aquaman, like, possibly being baby Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember Dan it was weird. in, like, a DC holiday special, like, two years ago. I don't. Where, like, they found baby Aquaman, and there was three wise men there, and a star guided them to him and everything. And I was just like... You are not serious. This is sacrilegious. <laughs> he could be the Atlantean Jesus. Yeah, it was really weird. Atlantean Jesus. So we all sat down and picked our favorite holiday comic. Joe Patrick, why don't you start us out, buddy? Well, this one's uh, relatively recent, but the best one in in my memory that I just really enjoy was JSA number 54 from 2004 by Jeff Johns and Don Kramer. Whatever happened to that guy? Don Kramer, where yeah, is he? I love his art. The JSA and the JLA meet together for Thanksgiving dinner at so the good. JSA Brownstone. They did this for like three years, though. There was like every year on Thanksgiving, the JSA would get together for Thanksgiving. So they're all getting together at the JSA Brownstone. Batman is paranoid that something terrible is going to happen. Surprise. Yeah, because they're all in the same room. Right. Uh, you get a lot of classic you know, interactions that are part of the rich, deep DC history right. that has been flushed down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> like Hawkman fighting with Green Arrow because they're politically opposed. Oh, totally. You know, Wildcat is hitting on Power Girl or whatever. And then right as they sit down to dinner, that's when two D-list supervillains choose to attack the JSA. Yeah. Only to find two armies of superheroes waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, like Superman and yeah. Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. and, <you> know, like. <laughs> and so Batman gets to say, I told you so. And then he and Mr. Terrific go out to get pizza for everybody to replace the meal that they got ruined. That it got was ruined. so good. It yeah. was so Wonderful. good. Dave, what's your favorite holiday comic? Uh, the comic that leapt to mind when you posed this question was Amazing Spider-Man number 314. I didn't uh, remember this one. Heart of Todd McFarlane's run, uh, his historic run on that comic. Peter and Mary Jane have been evicted from their awesome, super crazy apartment by the sinister Jonathan Caesar, who totally has the hots for MJ, and he's 
this is some elaborate plan to. She's a sexy redhead. It's true. I mean, kick her out. You want to get laid? Kick a girl out yeah. of her apartment and say like, "Hey, you want back in your apartment? Get with the get with the beard. Get with the old JC, the old Jonathan Caesar. Jesus Christ." Uh, the cover blurb on the comic was. <laughs> Oh, that doesn't that sound a, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the cover blurb on the comic was Peter and Mary Jane evicted just in time for Christmas, and there's a Santa Claus going, ho, 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 and Spider-Man's getting kicked to the curb. Oh. Uh, when this comic came out, I was in seventh or eighth grade, and Todd McFarlane was the end of the, like, that was it. Yeah, Writing. nobody was better. Art would never be better. It's the truth. And there's a scene in that book where Spider-Man's swinging along, and a woman, is she gets mugged. Purse snatcher, grabs her purse. Takes off running. And Which, spread. why this still happens in New York, blows Well, my yeah, mind. no. Like, any person after their right mind, you know? The sentinel, <laughs> or the, the sentry will vaporize you. Yeah, worst, I, best yeah. case scenario, Spider-Man webs you up. Yeah, and, and you're, you live. Right. <laughs> worst case, cloak absorbs you into darkness forever. Yeah. But so Spider-Man, without even, like, looking, it just, like, zap, webs him up in between two trees, and he's just, like, stuck there, and it looks like really painful because the Tom McFarlane draws webs just like, yeah they were gross yeah Tom McFarlane's spidey webs were gross they are lumpy and rubbery yeah terrible and the lady's super thankful they so fart she, out of his wrist like silly string basically. yeah just, <laughs> it's over <laughs> uh, and the lady is so grateful she gives Spider-Man a little box of macaroon she was bringing to her sister for Christmas and they have little Felix the cats on them because Aww. Tom McFarlane was a Felix the cat and Spider-Man takes the cookies and he leaves and the next scene is him swinging through the city with this little web bag that he's holding with those cookies in it and even though he's having the worst christmas of his life that lady's little gesture gave him the strength to continue on which is classic spider-man christmas theme there it is adorable yeah my favorite holiday comic goes to superman number 165 from dc this was printed back in 2000 back when we still thought Jeff Loeb was a good writer. <laughs> Jeff Loeb wrote this one with art by Ed McGinnis, Art Adams, Rob Leefield, Joe Madureria, Humberto Ramos, Cam Smith, and the late Mike Waringo. In this issue, we see Superman buying Christmas gifts for all the members of the JLA. This would have still been the Grant Morrison JLA lineup at the time. So we see him buying Chocos, which are, or Chocos, which are like Oreos. This is the DC equivalent of Oreo, Oreos. For the Martian Manhunter, who is hopelessly addicted to them, yeah. <laughs> like, like loves Oreos. He has Martian diabetes. Yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. He buys a snow globe of Metropolis for Aquaman. He's Metropolis underwater. He thought it was cute. The Flash gets some <laughs> gets an evil glint. <laughs> <laughs> soon, the, soon. The Flash gets some tube socks. Batman gets a looking glass because he's. A, a detective it's cute a magnifying glass yeah a magnifying glass. Okay. oh i'm sorry a magnifying glass not yeah, looking at glasses mirror plastic man gets some rubber bands which i didn't really get but i think it was kind of a joke he was trying to be funny and even <laughs> plastic man was like oh thanks thanks Superman. You know? garbage <laughs> i appreciate this green lantern gets a can of ring polish and wonder woman gets a miniature replica of mjolnir which i don't know i don't get that don't get it because, everything else kind of is sweet and touching yeah but- wonder woman gets a little thor's hammer well, perhaps in the context of the story, it makes more sense. But how, it was, about, it was, how about a bumper sticker for her invisible jet? You know, just like, <laughs> Fair enough. Just yeah. my, my other jet is visible. Uh, yeah, know. yeah, it's something cute. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cute. Each uh, each encounter with each hero was drawn by a different, really fantastic artist. 
And it, it just really hit home. It was a lot of fun. Very special Superman Christmas moment. Moments that I would argue, like Joe said, we just don't have in the DCU anymore. Yeah. And I don't know. You do a holiday special this year. I, I really don't give a It's shit. true. <laughs> I, I, I think overall that DC really, DC of the past really did a good job on the holiday themed stuff. Yeah, you and I both went DC. Marvel's holiday stuff, it was always good. It's, but only, it's books that like certainly like this story takes place at Christmas time. Right. They and, just touch on it. Uh, you know. I just think that overall DC had a lot more, I don't know, like heartwarming like holiday and history, issues. Like really thick history between these like, characters. There's a couple from the uh, Superman issues from the 80s and 90s. Like once a year, Superman would go to the post office and see all the mounds of mail written to Superman yeah. because he has no address. Yeah. And then answer as many of those letters as he can every Christmas. That was good stuff. Superman 76 in like 1992, the JLA answer Superman's letters because he just died. Oh, oh yeah. And so it's like it that is That was pretty gut-wrenching. Yeah, and so they go around like rebuilding homes that were destroyed by Doomsday. Yeah. And it's like, man, I yep. mean, that was like the 90s were a rough time for comics but that issue i was just like oh man that superman's dead and yeah. no one is there to answer those letters at christmas yeah that was uh, solid yeah that's a good issue so wildcats answering those letters is the jsa but so uh can't help you superman's dead <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry i don't know if you read the papers kid <laughs> but uh superman's dead <laughs> If you have a favorite holiday comic you want to share with us, hit us up at our Facebook page and tell us your superhero holiday memories of yesterday. And if you have a suggestion for a future greatest of all time Time. segment, uh, write to us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Yeah. Sort of break it down like this. That is it for the spousal abuse and anthropomorphic animal cruelty edition of THN. If grown men ogling underage female horsies doesn't turn your stomach, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, where this is what I have to deal with every week. If you (laughs) want to prove your love for THN, you can leave us a star rating or a written review and help us get into the iTunes top 10. Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in butt tattoos that correspond to our pony names, you can make your donation in <laughs> They're cutie marks. You can Boy, make your donation in any amount at the new and improved twoheadednerd.com, where you can also contact us if you're interested in sponsoring the show. They're little tattooed horsey sluts. While you're there, you can oh, find links to our Twitter on. feed and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash brony hate mail or your comic that you'd like us to review. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves, including ludicrous speed round reviews from Aaron Myers, Gems in the Bin, where TD Dubs reviews comics from the quarter bin, Nerd TV, where our very own guest host Dave DeMarco talks about some of the worst television shows that they're trying to force us to watch. It's true. And Girl Meets Nerd, where my lovely wife makes fun of me on a weekly basis. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers, be sure to check out the THN web exclusive Not Safe for Bronies audio blog, (laughs) The Answer of the Week. You know he's just baiting you guys, right? Please don't write in. Next week, we'll be celebrating the Festival of Lights with our first Chanaka Drunk Show, where we'll be swilling Manischewitz while our wives have their annual cookie party in the next room. Before we go, 
Our weekly shout-out goes to the Boy Scouts of America, who won an important court case this week, allowing them to sweep 21 years of sexual abuse scandals under the rug. Word to you, Boy Scouts, keep bashing gays and forcing little boys to pray. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Tell him goodnight, David. Good night, everybody. I was hoping you'd say goodnight, David. Man, I had that same joke in my head. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. That is, you missed that one. I, I knew what you were wanting. This is right out of the old tiny no. Jack Benny I'm not Red gonna, Skelton there. I'm not going to play into your hate of me. <laughs> I think that was Groucho Mark. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it's Say Goodnight, Gracie. Say Goodnight, Gracie. Oh, yeah. George Burns and Gracie. Yeah. When you turn off the light, I can't tell, but I know it's mine.